time for another edition of Unlock with Fox's Brock Hewitt. I'm Lance Taylor from the next round. This is Disrupt the Media. Make sure you like, subscribe, give us a couple of thumbs up. We would appreciate that. It's brought to you by mybookie.ag. Use that code next round. Get a first deposit bonus on the house at mybookie.ag. So it's Senior Bowl week. We have said like the last 15 years we're going to cover it for the entire week in Mobile, and we've never been. <laughs> and we really were on the fence last week, and we were yeah. got to pull the trigger, and we just didn't make it down. It seems like one of those events where there's a lot of access to coaches and general managers and obviously yep. the players there. Did you participate at the Senior Bowl at any level? I did not. I did not. I'm I'm wondering if the Senior Bowl was around when I was coming out of school last century. I think it was. All right, was it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was a I was technically an underclassman because I had redshirted and I came out after my redshirt junior year. So I was there. I technically had one more year that I could have gone back to Washington and, and a lot of guys did in that era. It was a lot of redshirt and then, you know, stick around for the next four years. But I got married i was graduating i was moving on and uh certainly did the combine and remember all of that and we can speak through some of that over the next few weeks because that's kind of the next thing but man if i lived where you all live i would make that drive number one i love mobile uh, i did the GoDaddy of them all bowl i mean who could forget the GoDaddy hey, of them all who could ever forget that where danica patrick was asked you know who do you look up to who were who are some of your idols and she said me and I was like, wow, that's that's pretty it's pretty strong, Danica. Well, um, we, we, and real quick, not to get on a yes. Danica Patrick tangent, but I'll never forget uh, <laughs> one of my co-hosts who you know, Ryan Brown. Yeah, we had a, a thing set up at Academy Sports that we had to go out to, and Brown had to do a Q and A with her. Well, <laughs> he had gotten a text. She had like a terrify. Uh, she was at Talladega. She had terrible qualifying times. Mm. So her publicist had sent him a text. Don't ask her about today's qualifying. Oh, oh, he didn't oh. check the text. First thing he asked, asked oh, about is the oh, qualifying. Oh, oh, didn't get off to a good start. She no, is, uh, in the no. multiple times I've met her, not the friendliest. Of no. When we did the GoDaddy of them all, she had her own suite next to our broadcast booth. And down at, I think, Lab People Stadium is where that game was. And we had a young uh, spotter, and Lane was his name. Great guy. He's like, you know, should I go ask her for an autograph? I think this was, you know, maybe phones or just kind of getting into it. And I'm like, go for it, man. <laughs> he walked Why not? over. Shoot shot. <laughs> and, uh, you are not allowed in here. <laughs> Got a big old hand. Like, uh-uh. And uh, one of the players after the game, she's on the field presenting the trophy, like gave her a hug. And I thought she's about to kick him right where the sun don't shine. So, yeah, that was that was something. But if I were in your neck of the woods, I love Mobile. I really do. That, that town for that bowl game was awesome. Food was awesome. People were great. So I would just simply go down there for that. And then you do, like you said, you see everybody, like you see all the faces, you see college coaches, you see pro coaches. Now it feels even bigger than ever. I think Jim Nagy, old Seahawks scout guy I know, has done a phenomenal job of elevating the brand, of elevating exposure. And, you know, like I saw tons of, like Kalen DeBoer, obviously, it's his backyard, but Jed Fish from, from Washington is up there. So my buddy Marcus Tuiasopo from Rice, he's there. I mean, it's a chance for all those guys to just kind of fraternize, to, to chat, for you, Lance, I mean, as good looking and as affable as you are, you get right in those circles. You get contact information. You get more numbers. Like that's a that's a swing and a miss. Now Dunaway, I could see, you know, why he wouldn't want to go. Yeah, Ryan and you, I think you all could load up with your contact. Next year, next year is going to be the year. All right, the year of twenty twenty five for the Senior Bowl. Well, we had Dan Orlovsky on earlier today, and I know you know Dan pretty well, mm -hmm. and and uh, 
I was just asking him specifically about Bo Nix, a guy that we've talked about. And, you know, covering yep. him for three years when he was at Auburn, I never thought he would be in this situation. Yep. Like, I never, ever thought Bo Nix would be in the conversation of possibly being a franchise quarterback for an NFL organization. But, you know, being a Rams fan, we picked 19th this year. And I started looking at the 18 teams in front of us. There are realistically yep. 10 organizations yep. that could select quarterback, yep. including your Seahawks, yep. in front of the Rams. And, you know, Bo Nix is going to be one of those guys that you just never know what direction Sean McVay is going to go. But he completed almost 83% of his passes, which is unreal. But we've yep. talked about it before. It was more a point guard. Yep. How do you think he actually translates to the NFL? And do you think ultimately he goes in the first round? Yeah, this is a big week for him. I think for him and Penix, of, of all the guys down there and all the prospects down there, I know the D lineman from Missouri is making waves and there are certain other guys, skill guys that are popping a little bit that maybe didn't have the biggest names going in. And that typically does happen. But Knicks and Penix, they're going to be fascinating, Lance, because there's going to be some teams that are like, nope, just like Lance. Mm -mm. Nope, I saw him for three years. I saw him when Real University hit. I saw him in in uh, in a fishbowl and and you know with with the stakes so high and how all that was handled and you know just because he got to go out west and, and play in Eugene in a tiny little market where he got to just flourish and thrive with great people around him. There's going to be, I'm sure, plenty of teams like not even not even on my board. Not not going to go that way. Don't need a quarterback. Don't want him. Penix the same way. You know, like can really spin a football beautifully, man, makes throws and and man, in the biggest moments this year was just awesome, save for the national title game. But there's gonna be people down there that look at the injury history, that look at the frame. He's he's what Daniel Jeremiah calls a high cut guy, long legged, you know, lanky, thin. And equally, there'll be teams that say no thanks, but it takes one. It takes one to fall in love, and both of them have a skill set that you could fall in love with. And for Penix, it's his arm, and I think for Nix, it's his athleticism in that short area, just accuracy and ball out and facilitate. I mean, he broke the all-time, and now albeit it was Mac Jones' record, but he broke the all-time single-season completion percentage mark in the history of college football. And it wasn't all little dink and dunk. It was a lot of it, but he's also pushing the ball down the field, tremendous athlete. This is going to be Baskin-Robbins. Last year's draft was for the first three picks. This year is going to be, there's not going to be three tubs of ice cream. This is going to be Baskin Robbins with six or seven different choices there at quarterback. You know, and quarterbacks have gotten so good. And look, all these guys can't pan out, but this is a deep, deep quarterback draft. Yep. I went back over the times that you've played, games you've called. Who is maybe the most talented quarterback that never ended up being a franchise guy? Ooh. Yeah, that's a good. Because I get people that they all the time. They're like, uh, "That's going to be another Ryan Leaf." Ryan Leaf is the guy, mm -hmm. and and I I credit Ryan Leaf. He he had his demons, his struggles. The guy has reinvented himself. He's having yep. a successful career now. I applaud that. I love that. Um, coming out, I never thought he was going to be right there with Peyton Manning. Some mm -hmm. people did. Um, I wouldn't call him one of the biggest bust of all time. Jamarcus Russell was one of those guys, but yep. what about guys that you even played yeah, Jake, with? Yeah, I would say Jacob Eason. I remember okay. watching him throw a ball in high school. He was a Gatorade national player of the year. He went down to Georgia, got a little wild and crazy down there. Uh, even watching him, I did a Georgia game of his. I'm like, man, this dude in the spring game, I'm like this guy is six, six, it's fluid. He's athletic. It's clean. That ball just comes out of his hand. I remember he threw against Tennessee. I was on an airplane watching that game, the back and forth with Dobbs, and he throws this ball like from the right hash 50 into the end zone, like 55, 60 yards with no elevation. Like, well, that is yeah, – That was Calvin Ridley's brother. 
There you go. There you and go. I'll never forget. And I'll tell you a quick story. You'll love this. But I was in Athens, and that is a debaucherous fun. It's yes. my favorite college town. I used to yes. date a girl that graduated from there, so she had taken me back there. Uh -huh. And that was in the fall of 2016. Yep. And I'll never forget this because we had left the game because that was a late September, early October game. It was hot as hell. Yes. We were in the sun. Yeah. <laughs> and so I was like, let's watch second half of a bar. So we went to a bar. And it is one of these massive bars. And Eason had just completed that pass. They kicked to Tennessee. And direct TV goes out. Oh and so, yeah, nobody in the bar can see the game. And the next thing we know, one dude is jumping up and down in the Tennessee jerseys, watching it on his phone. And they had completed the Hail Mary. Correct. And Correct. people were throwing bottles and just storming oh. out of the bar. Oh. And they were so pissed off. And yeah. then we find out word. And I, I talked. We had Kirby Smart on the show not long after that and talked to him about it. Um, like the entire city of Athens couldn't see it because everything was on direct TV and it went down. Wow. Yeah. Meltdown. Uh, he, he would be one that, you know, I thought, and, and, and as it progressed at Washington, you could start to see his pocket feel and his just awareness and, and processing wasn't, you know, elite why he fell to the fourth round. You know, if he was like in my draft era or the 2000, 2000s early, he'd have been a first round pick period in a story. But I think the league is, you know, kind of wised up a little bit and they're not overdrafting all the time as they used to do. Uh, Jake Locker is a little bit and Locker athletically is a lot of Bo Nix. There's a very similarity. I mean, they're just built tremendously. They're great athletes. They're great dudes. Uh, super humble guys. I think Bo's naturally a little more accurate than Jake is. But I would also say he was one that I thought would, gosh, get to the right fit maybe get to a second spot, but he got so beat up there physically, mentally, emotionally that he was done. So there's a couple maybe in the last 10 to 15 years that do come to my mind, Lance. It is Unlocked with Fox's Brock Hewitt right here on Disrupt the Media. Like and subscribe. It is brought to you by Lance's Lock. Uh, every day we've got a free play for you at lanceslock.com. We are rolling into the NBA, of course, college basketball, and we've got the Super Bowl coming up. Mm. We'll have a ton of props for you. So I wanted to take you back to the AFC and NFC championships. We'll start with the NFC championship and work our way back. But San Francisco 34-31, an amazing comeback. And everybody loves Dan Campbell because he is super aggressive. Mm -hmm. And the analytics drive me insane because there's got to be a gut feel Mm -hmm. in these situations when there's seven and a half minutes to go and you can tie a yeah. championship game up, you have to you have to you, you have to kick there i don't care what you the do. analytics the, say the, the first one i'm with you the first one is you know and i think the the next level stats both showed it was like plus 1.5 percent as far as the real numbers go to go for it so it was not it was nominal to say the least the first one i kind of understood i could get it you know badgley from that distance is less than 50 percent the ball is right in the receiver's hands. They had converted just about every third down. All the momentum is going with them. But the second one, you can't. You got to tie the ball game up. I mean, that's just not – you just have to. You can't live on them. Well, this is what we are. This is what we do. Scoring a touchdown there does not make as big a difference as it would have on that earlier drive because I'm – yeah, if you go up – what would it have been? 31, so it's 20, uh, 24, 10. You'd have gone up 31, 10, game's over. Yeah, if they convert that fourth down, they go down and score. It's thirty-one ten, in the you're in the fourth quarter. They're they're not going to lose that game, but um, they don't, and they don't get it, and they get the big drop. I I was yeah, I was on the airplane. I think I threw something like that right at the little <laughs> TV screen when he went for it in that down and distance because you have a chance to stifle some of the momentum 
You have a chance to quiet some of the fans. You have a chance to put the pressure back on them, right? And and to go produce. And I just it made that one made no sense. Nor did the run of two minutes to go. And those are ones a little bit like Dan Lanning. If you remember Dan Lanning in that first Washington game, he owned it. Press conference the next day, totally owned it. Like those are decisions right there. Those two fourth downs that those are fall on me, and those are all on me. And um, I think Dan maybe the next time around, if he can get to that spot. And I and I love that, Lance. I loved his transparency after the game saying, I don't know if we'll ever be here again. Uh, you know, I think that we will, but it is so hard to get to this ascent, to get to near this top of the mountain to win that doggone thing. And I just, man, I don't know why why you wouldn't tie that game with seven minutes to go. Yeah, and the crazy thing at mybookie.ag, I had bought a full point. I haven't, I have not gambled personally. Obviously, I'm around it every day. I give out advice, information. Yep. But I hadn't personally placed a wager in like three months, but I I loved San Francisco. So I bought a full point down to six and a half. And so then it comes down to you mm. run the ball down on the three with with three timeouts left. You've got to burn one in that situation. And it's a fourth down. You've yeah. got to have the points. He doesn't yeah. kick there. He decides yeah. to go for it. Now they ultimately get the touchdown. But yeah. I don't know. They, he baffled me on all of his decisions. And if I'm yeah. a Detroit fan, I've been waiting all my life to be oh. in this moment. Oh. As much as he's turned the culture around, I think he almost blew it in 60 minutes or 30 minutes. Yeah, actually. that was uh, – I, I didn't think uh, – honestly, when they were up 24-7, I didn't, I didn't think San Fran was going to be able to do that. I, I really didn't. Just because it was going to become so one-dimensional, but credits Kyle Shanahan is unbelievable. He did not get impatient, put together a couple great drives, continued to run it and mix it, and and Brock Purdy's got some balls, man. He has got some stones because you saw on about three different occasions over the course of that game coming to the sidelines and Shanahan's covering his mouth and he's talking to him, and you know what he's saying, man. He's no nonsense. There's no filter. He is in his he is in his stuff. And Brock didn't flinch. He didn't blink and just continue to just get it done. And uh, it's going to set up a well of a Super Bowl. Well, you know, and I think the 48 rushing yards for Brock Purdy were a massive difference. Probably, you know, him being able to not only extend the play, but to get out of harm's way and actually pick up some of those first downs with his legs. I wanted to ask you this because – for whatever reason, I'm one of those that it, when it got deep in that game, I'm like, I don't know if I can trust Brock Purdy with this throw. Yeah. Um, and it, it goes back, what, four years ago, we saw Garoppolo, a 10-point lead in the fourth quarter over Kansas yep. City. He missed yep. easy throws. They would have mm-hmm. had a Super Bowl in the in their fingers. Um, they end up losing that game. I mean, can you tell a difference right now from Brock Purdy and Jimmy Garoppolo? Yeah. Garoppolo, you know, blinked and flinched, and that's why they made the move away from him. And Brock Purdy has not. Brock Purdy doesn't throw it as well. If they're down at the Senior Bowl and in Mobile, if they're at the Combine and you stack them side by side, Jimmy Garoppolo is beautiful. You know, I mean, he is your uh, GQ model and Brock Purdy is your Coles model, right? right? And then you watch them throw and Garoppolo is, you know, equivalent of like a baseball guy. He's mid-90s and Brock Purdy's low 90s. I mean, there's nothing, maybe athletically, Brock moves from an agility standpoint better than Jimmy does at this stage of their careers. But it's about the guts, man. It's about that stuff that you can't measure. Same thing with the analytics, right? The, the momentum, the, what's the vibe in the building, all those things that you can't measure into that data. Same thing with Brock. You just can't measure that that dude just doesn't blink no matter what he's up against, no matter how much he's hated, no matter how much he's doubted. And, uh, man, in two playoff games, he delivered big time when it mattered the most. Uh, one thing we try to tell you at Lance'slog.com is we're transparent. I completely shit the bed on championship week because I had the Ravens 
as well. And you looked yep. at the Ravens coming into this game against teams this year that were three ga- three games or better above 500. They were 6-0, and winning by an average of 26 points. I thought they were rested. I thought yep. maybe they played their best 30 minutes in the second half against the Texans. This Kansas City team, I knew the defense was good, still didn't trust the offense outside of Mahomes, and they just keep chugging along. Man, they uh, Spagnola, really. I mean, there's sometimes you can over – I think my son Titus told me it's called glossing. Oh gosh, you know Tony Romo's going to be glossing all over Mahomes and Allen. I'm like, what does that even? <laughs> what, what does that mean? What's the Gen Z term for that? You know? And he's like, oh, you know, like just overly bragging and all this stuff. Oh, okay. So sometimes you can glaze these coordinators that get too much credit. Spagnola blew the wires, man. Blew the wires of Lamar and Todd Munkin up in the booth, and you know showed some stuff, did some stuff pre-snap, post-snap that just really, that really got to him. And then they just. You know, uncharacteristically, Lance, for as calm and as composed as John Harbaugh is, a little different than his brother, right? I mean, he didn't wear much of that emotion uh, on his sleeve. He's not Tony Dungy, who I played for, but he's also super, super calm and just gets it like Kalen DeBoer. And his teams usually don't panic. And they just, they lost their cool in every way. It wasn't just the dirty hits and the, you know, trying to get an extra little lick on Mahomes. Right, it's Lamar missing throws, and once he started to lose his cool, right? There was a play I think in the third quarter, second quarter maybe, and it's just a little flat route, third and six, and he throws it kind of high and behind the running back, and he came over and he was just snapping off his helmet. I'm like, uh oh, uh oh, this ain't good, man, because <laughs> the stage just that water starts to boil and it gets a little hot and everything gets a little bit more intense, and that team on the other side has been there and done it six times, and they won't. They won't get crazy. They won't lose their cool, you know. So yeah, I, I was well, with I you. I, I was with you in every way, physically, but it was the mentals, it was the emotional that just got the better of Baltimore, certainly in that second half. Well, you know, kind of a forgotten guy. Uh, Why well, maybe not the best way to put it, but but a guy we haven't talked about a lot that made the transition of winning back-to-back national championships at Georgia in Todd Munkin, going to this Baltimore Ravens offense. They've done yeah. a great job and. We really, we really haven't talked about him much until the negative comes up, and I don't understand how they only run the ball sixteen times. They averaged over five yards per carry against Kansas City, and, and I think if you run the ball another ten times, you probably take a yes. little of that pressure yes. off of off of yes. uh, Lamar Jackson. Yeah, what if they just lined up in that heavy set they ran on fourth down and run QB power and counter until you stop it? And they ran that one time at their own thirty-yard line on fourth and one, and he takes it thirty and almost house calls it like. What if you just said, screw it, just unapologetically, we're going to run it right at you and don't care. And we'll put our big people on the field and we will wear you down and grind you down because Kansas City's strength, Tranquil, was unbelievable linebacker. Sneed is one of the best corners in the game. Like, you want to throw it? Go ahead. Like, advantage us. Every time you go and throw it, advantage us. We got some good rushers and from the inside and from the outside. But, man, if they would have just, yeah, gone in that game, kind of like Kevin Costner went into draft day with that little note, like at all costs, <laughs> you're doing this. <laughs> if Todd was up there at all costs, you're going to run it 30 times. At all costs, we're going to run it 30 times. I think we're talking about a Raven 49 or Raven 49 or Super Bowl. Okay, I hate the circus is Kansas City. I'm not a Mahomes fan. I respect him. He's incredible. I don't like Kelsey at all. Kelsey's probably the best tight end I've ever seen play. Yes. Uh, the Taylor Swift thing, I respect her as a musician. Like what she's been able to do, but the Brittany Mahomes, the Jackson Mahomes, I just I yes. can't stand it. Yes. With all of that said, this is a quarterback in six years as a starting quarterback. He's been to six straight AFC championship games. 
Like, I don't, I don't know. And the crazy thing, Brock, is when you look at the quarterbacks in the AFC, mm-hmm. you've got like eight to ten what you could consider great to elite quarterbacks. Yep. And yep. for him to be able to get to all of these championship games and ultimately Super Bowls, and he's 28 years old, I mean, I don't yep. know how you put into words. Yeah, I think you and I would have probably felt 10 years ago and five years, like no one will do what Brady's done. Come on. This will never be done again. This is unprecedented stuff. No one's going to get to 10 Super Bowls and win six or seven. Like it's just not going to happen. Not going to be another Nick Saban. Not going to be another Tom Brady. And then all of a sudden you look over here at Mahomes. And I know Brady was asked about it this week. And like, goodness gracious, he's 28. You know, and it's not like he's got a body like w- with Russell. You know, I think I've sent you a picture of Russell back in the go look at Russell Wilson's combine picture. Different human being. I mean, he is lean. He is chiseled. His body fat's unbelievably low. He's running four or five. Like, and then you look at, you know, now and, and just time and age and genetics and everything else. He's just not that guy anymore. You know, Mahomes had his shirt off the other day. I mean, he's dad bod and he still does. It doesn't matter. Like, he didn't have to be some just absolutely yoked, ripped, running four or five athleticism. No, no, he ran four, seven, five at the combine. He's got like pretty good little dad bod and it don't matter. And like that can sustain the next 10 years, right? And he's played through some injuries and knee and toe and ankle. And and this has been, these two were the most impressive. I mean, to go to Buffalo and to go to Baltimore into two of the most hostile, most difficult environments and go in there and win and play nearly flawless. I mean, the other day he was just nearly flawless. And you could see it, you know, I think in both those games, get it to the fourth quarter. You know, can we get ahead as they did in Baltimore, which was huge, but then get to the fourth quarter and our guy's better than your guy. And on third and eight, the game on the line, he's going to make a perfect throw. And he's going to get, you know, the, here's one thing football-wise, Lance, that I love about Mahomes. And I love that, yeah, there's sometimes his arm angles, you know, sidearm. Uh, sometimes it's three-quarter. Sometimes it's over the top. Like, he's got every club in the bag to hit whatever shot he needs. I need a draw. I need a fade. I need a, a zinger. You got every one of them. Lamar Jackson? Mm-mm. You know, he got that little slinger thing. And you know why he overthrew, like, five guys? Because really hard when you're hitting that club, right? When you're hitting a, a two iron, it's really hard to get loft on that thing and hit it nice and soft and get it to land softly like a wedge. He doesn't have that. He doesn't have what Mahomes has. And man, was it uh, on display in that game. Hey, before I get you out of here, uh, because I was talking about the elite quarterbacks in the AFC, this always comes back to my Rams. You know this. Yep. But, but watching the way Stafford played in the second half of the season, when I look at the 16 teams in the NFC, I think if he does come back, I think you can make an argument the Rams have the best quarterback situation in the NFC. Mm. I mean, just go through it. I mean, yeah. would you take would you take Dak Prescott or Matt Stafford? Nope. Nope. Stafford. So where is does he got one year left on his deal? I know he didn't yeah. renegotiate last year and yeah. he shouldn't renegotiate because yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, I think next year's probably the year for him. I think that's gonna be it. Yep. But I mean, you wouldn't take you wouldn't take Jalen Hurts. Mm-mm. Um, wouldn't wouldn't take Dak, wouldn't take Geno. I mean, Brock Purdy's a winner. Wouldn't necessarily, you know, yeah, he could do everything that, that I think Brock has done in San Fran and more. You're not taking Jared Goff. Baker. No, no. I I mean, Jordan loves really Jordan loves coming. Yeah. Jordan love is Jordan love is on the chase and the way that he played. Yeah. The the final 10 weeks of the season, the NFC, there were two QBs, right? I guess Brock Purdy, you lump in there as well. Um, although he had the disastrous game against Baltimore, but yeah, down, down the stretch, man, final 10 games of the year, which we have seen at times. 
what you do that previous year, Detroit Lions, a perfect example of it, right? In year two, you could feel that coming. They had kind of made that turn way back to 2012 with Russell and the Seahawks. Like, it ended the divisional round, but you know these guys are coming. Like Jordan Love and Green Bay, they're they're coming. I mean, that, that is a young roster. He built confidence. So, yeah, probably those two as you kind of run through the NFC. Very different story in the AFC, but it gives your Rams a whole bunch of life moving into 24. Yeah, and, and that was what was interesting about Harbaugh taking that Chargers job. And I know if, you know, Herbert is one of these guys that has all the talent in the world, but he's got to win one of these big games. Yep. But, you know, one of the jobs Mike McDonald just took – the Seattle job, which you're very familiar with. Uh, two things on that, and I will get you out of here. Um, will they draft quarterback in the first round? And what are the Seattle Seahawks getting with Mike McDonald? Yeah, I think Gino is a perfect year one, first time ever head coach quarterback because he'll take care of the ball. He'll he'll play the game to get it to the fourth quarter. Nobody threw more fourth quarter and overtime touchdown passes, game winning and overcoming than Gino did. He did more than his part that offense did. The defense was horrific. 31st against the run, couldn't couldn't get off the field 32nd, 31st, 32nd on third down, just terrible, terrible. Um so Mike McDonald's going to come in and I mean <laughs> it's pretty amazing Lance. Pete's 72. This dude's 36. He had his opening press conference just before I popped on with you. He was impressive, man. He he knows who he is. John Schneider has got a very established culture. There's a lot of young players there. Um, I don't. I'm not going to say right away that they're going to compete with San Francisco or even the Rams, who beat them both times last year. But it's going to be a lot harder, a lot harder. Uh, that dude's got answers for the Shanahan tree. He is smart. He is innovative. Uh, even against Mahomes, shut him out the entire second half to give their guys even a chance to win that game. So he's he's one of the better ones, and it was a big swing for a guy that's never done it before that is 36 years old. But John Schneider, when he gets these little instincts, man, when he drafts Russell Wilson, when he drafts Devin Witherspoon, when he gets these little instincts that, hey, man, this is the right guy, and I don't really care, and I don't care the, the heat I'm going to take for it, I think this hire was pretty indicative of that. You mentioned Pete Carroll, 72 years old. You know him well. You told me a couple of weeks ago when uh, the decision was made that he was moving on that there's yep. a good chance he will coach again. Let me ask you this scenario. Raheem Morris goes to the Falcons. Sean McVay calls up Pete Carroll. Be my defensive coordinator for a couple of years. Come back to LA. No. Okay. No, no. But I think in the aftermath, uh, that was listening to Pete's pressure. I think in the aftermath, the weeks that have followed, you know, his son's pretty cool. His son's the OC now at Washington. So Brennan Carroll, the O-line OC coach at Arizona with Jed Fish, comes up to Seattle, gets kind of reunited. He was on Pete's staff there with the Seahawks for a bunch of years. So, no, I think he's going to be grandpa. I think he's going to be a pretty good support system for for Brennan and for Jed and for the Huskies. And I think we'll be a pretty good fundraiser. Um, and, and, and if I know Jed Fish, he's going to try to take advantage of Pete and say, hey, why don't you come over here, man? We'll do $100 a plate for dinner, and you can come speak to these guys and all these football fans, and they love you in the Puget Sound. And they just took out a full-page ad. The fans did. It's pretty cool, Lance, in the Seattle Times. A big GoFundMe site to take out a full page to love and thank Pete for everything he did. So I think he'll be a little more attached to the purple and gold in Seattle than he will be the, the Seahawks that he ran. Okay, fair enough. Uh, yep. This is Unlocked. Fox's Brock Heward. On Disrupt the Media, make sure you like, subscribe, give us that thumbs up. It is brought to you by MyBookie.ag. Use that code. Next round, get that first deposit on the house at MyBookie.ag. Always fun, great stuff. We'll get ready for Super Bowl next week. Chiefs, 49ers, more on that right here on Unlocked.